So if you want to grab uh, your notes and uh, grab a Bible, we are uh, looking today, uh, beginning a, a couple series, we'll do one today and then in a couple weeks, um, at the importance of God's Word. And one of the reasons that we're starting the Wednesday night studies and things this week is, uh, is to look at that. And in Acts chapter 2 that we read a little bit ago, it says that uh, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and the church began and, and the, uh, the apostles were proclaiming the mighty acts of God. And as they spoke... People heard it in their own language. And so God is a God of communication. And one of the things that they asked in Acts chapter 2 and verse 12 was, they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? What does this mean that this, this thing is happening on the day of Pentecost? And any time in Scripture when there is a, a new word from God, a revelation from God, he attested to it by signs and wonders. We see that in the Old Testament with Moses. We see that with the prophets and those miracles that they did in Elijah's time and Elisha's time. And now we see in the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 that God was doing something and he attested to it. And what, is, what does this mean? It means that there is now a new of the New Testament. There's a new of the New Covenant. We can have the indwelling presence of God in our lives. And I want to look at today just the importance of God's Word. And, and why is it that we use God's Word? Why is it that we use the Bible? Why don't we just bring a Reader's Digest? And I'll read some of the funny things and read some of the good stories. We'll laugh and cry just the same as we do when we read God's Word. It's because God's Word is different. It stands above and apart from every other thing. Now, we need to understand uh, what it means to say uh, in, that the Bible is inspired. We're going to look at two eyes, like your glasses, right? To have some good eyesight. And the first eye we're going to look at today is this idea of inspiration. There is a thing in the Bible called revelation. There's a general revelation. And general revelation means it's generally available to everyone. It's, it's through God's creation. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the work of his hands. In Acts chapter 14, it says, He has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, the crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Whenever you eat, whenever you're joyful, that's God's what general revelation that, that he's here, that, that this universe was created by him. Romans chapter 1, verse 19 says, What we may know about God is plain to us because God has made it plain. For since the creation of the world is what? His invisible qualities. His eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that we're without excuse. So we walk out into the sky and at the nighttime, we see the stars and we say, wow, declares God's glory. But that's general revelation. Anybody can walk out and look at the sky. Doesn't mean that they're going to infer God. Well, no, but it's general revelation. But all the revelation that's found in Scripture is, is special revelation. There's general and there's special. And special revelation is that which was given to specific individuals at specific times in history or specific groups. It's special because it's specific. God communicated specifically to specific groups or persons. Even though it's available to all, it's still special. So we have general of, of creation, but we have special revelation in God's word. Why? Because there are things that we would not know about God just by looking at the stars. 
We wouldn't know God is forgiving by looking at the stars. We wouldn't know God is merciful. We wouldn't know God sent his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We wouldn't know that just by looking at the stars. We would see God's glory and his majesty. So God, what? He has to speak to us. He has to give us some more specifics. Now, when it comes to the Bible, we have to remember that only some parts of the Bible are revealed, but all of it's inspired. Let's just walk through this just for a couple minutes, because it's important that we have a good grasp of how the Bible came to be. Like, what does it mean when we say that this is God's word? So, um, Nate, could you come back and do these slides? This is not working. There's some graphics that need to be up here. Thank you. So, the Bible is given to us by God. What it means was, he, through revelation, we have God, and we have apostles, and we have prophets. And so through revelation, he gave data to prophets and to apostles. Okay, so God spoke to them. He revealed to human sources his apostles and his prophets. So his prophets and his apostles then wrote it down, and that's where we receive God's word. And the process where they wrote it down is called inspiration. And we need to keep those, uh, understand those two. Revelation is where God puts direct thoughts into the prophets or the apostles' mind, but they write it down for us, and that's what this little, all the way to the end, they, that's what that little scroll is, that it's through revelation, the apostle gets it, it's through inspiration then that we receive the word. So the prophets and the apostles. So what does this mean? Go back to the Acts that we just talked about. In Acts, Luke compiled the, the gospel of Luke and he compiled Acts. And so what he did on the day of Pentecost, Luke looked around or he interviewed people and he said, the Holy Spirit came and people were filled with the Holy Spirit and people were speaking in languages that other people could hear. He did not need revelation for that. He could just ask somebody. Hey, you were there. What happened? That wasn't information that God gave to Luke. That was just Luke looking around. But what Luke needed was he needed inspiration in order to include that in the Bible when he wrote the Gospel of Acts. So God didn't have to put special information into Luke's head. But what God did through the process of inspiration is that he guaranteed its accuracy. He guaranteed that what he wanted to be included in Acts was included in Acts. All parts of the Bible are inspired, but not all of them are revealed. So we have people in the Old Testament. They look around and they say, look at these wicked kings. They are eating their children. They're sacrificing their children. They didn't need God to tell them that through revelation. They could look around and see it. But what they needed was they needed the inspiration in order to include that. And so we have God's word given to us and it's authoritative because of inspiration. What you have in your Bible, what you have in your scripture, what you have there is inspired. God transmitted it and wanted the accuracy of what you have. That's why it's authoritative. God was involved in the process. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this. All scripture is what? Is God breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's why we are standing on God's word. Why? Because it's God breathed. You know what the word for God breathed is? Inspiration. He breathed it out. 
And because of inspiration, we can speak of the Bible as being the word of God. Or as Romans 3, 2 says, the very words of God. So when you open up God's word, what you have is the content that God wanted you to have. You know, your Bible is pretty big and it takes you a while to read through it. There could be a whole lot more in there. I mean, John in the Gospel of John said, if everything that Jesus did was written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. And aren't you glad that God did not give us an Encyclopedia Britannica set? For you youngsters, that was this large shelf of books. There was one for A, one for B, one for C, right? God didn't do that. And so God knew, he's like, wait a minute. I, I know there's going to be people that struggle with the length of, of the Bible when it's compiled. So I'm going to inspire people just to include what I want included. That's inspiration. And so God guided the apostles. He guided the prophets. He guided those who wrote it down to be included. Now, we're at the end of the year. We're celebrating graduations. Uh, You may have taken finals and taken your test. So we're going to do a fun little final kind of test. So on your notes, uh, but we're going to do it in the style of Jeopardy. Uh, Jeopardy is you select the category and then you have to give the answer in the form of a question, right? So we'll take uh, inspiration for 500, Alex. And so the first one is this, up on the little screen, it would say, the origin of the Bible. Click, 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 click. Is it uh, divine or human? Well, the answer may surprise you. What is divine and human? That's the answer. It's both. Now, it's a trick question. It's not either an either or. It's a both and. The Bible is a work of God with humans. Now, there are sacred scriptures, there are books that say they are completely divine with no human element at all. The Quran is an example, or the Book of Mormon is an example. What they say is that God just dictated, and the person, Muhammad or Joseph Smith, whoever wrote it down, just wrote, didn't know what they were writing, it was just dictated by God. God took over the, this, whatever they were writing with and uh, put it down. That's not how we got the Bible. Now, it doesn't mean that some parts are not authoritative and some parts are not authoritative. What it means is it's all inspired, so it's all authoritative, but human writers were conscious of what they were writing. Much of what they wrote came from their own hearts and their own experiences and their own minds. Think about the Psalms of David. When you read the Psalms of David, what do you read? You read a person who was chased down by his enemies, who was fearful, who was burdened, who was uh, distraught, who was joyful, who was... Where did David get that? He got that from his own experiences and in his life. And so from that, he was able to write it down. But God, through inspiration, was working in the process so that we have exactly what he wanted us to have. David could have written a lot of Psalms. But we have in our Bibles, through inspiration, exactly what God wants us to know. That's why we see a variety of writing styles in the Bible. The Greek that John wrote in his Gospels is really different than the Greek that the writer Hebrews used. Very different styles. And so what did God do? God worked through human elements. Poets and authors and songwriters, they have moments of, what do we call that? Inspiration. They're trying to come up with something, and all of a sudden, they get this idea, and there's this inspiration. And that's where revelation comes in. Revelation is where God gives information to the authors that they would have no way of knowing except from him. On the day of Pentecost, Luke 
can look around and he can see what's happening. And so he writes it down and God oversaw the process so that we have exactly accurately recorded what happened. But then Peter stands up and the, uh, he addresses the crowd and he says, this Jesus is you crucified. And the Bible says that they were cut to the heart and they said, brothers, what shall we do? What did Peter say? We just read that earlier. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, where did Peter get that? He didn't look around and just get God revealed that to him. So in the book of Acts, we see both of those working together. It's all inspired, but it's not all revealed. Luke could look around and see what was happening, but Peter had to get this this data from God himself. And so the origin is, it's both of those working together. Inspiration means it still originates with God, but he guides and guards the process. That's what we mean by inspiration. Okay, second topic, Alex, is which part of the, Bi- or part of the Bible to accept as my authority? Click, 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 click. Yes. What is all? What is all? Here are a few ways that we can divide God's word into parts. Well, you say, you're probably saying, well, of course we accept it all. We do, but not really sometimes. Here are some ways that we can divide it and only accept parts of it. We are a Restoration Movement church, and we are well, a New Testament church. What does that mean? Our faith and practice comes from the New Testament. But the Old Testament is still inspired, and it's still useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But it's not binding on us because we're not Jewish. You should have been here yesterday because it was the Sabbath, if we're still following the Old Testament. You, you're not allowed to... If you had shrimp this week, if you had any, right? We are... The Old Testament is not binding on us as believers. That's why we are a New Testament church. But the Old Testament is still inspired. That's why we just came through a series of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is what? In the Old Testament. And there's a lot of things in Habakkuk that we can understand. And so we view the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. We view it through the lens of the New Testament. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. That word for rightly handling means to dissect it correctly. All of God's word is inspired. Listen, all of God's word is inspired, but it doesn't all apply. We are new covenant, new Testament people. All of it is inspired. It all came from God, but it doesn't all apply. Do you know some favorite verses people try to apply? We can't get tattoos. Why not? Because it says somewhere in Leviticus, it says about not getting tattoos. Yes, that's inspired, but it doesn't apply. We're not in the nation of Israel. It doesn't apply to us. It applied to them. Don't eat shellfish. You know, don't, uh, if, you have, if you are wearing a polyester blend today, you are in violation of the Old Testament. You are not supposed to mix your fabrics together. But it's inspired, but it doesn't apply. So we have to rightly divide. And we get ourselves in trouble when we say all of the Bible is binding on us. No, we are new covenant people. It's the new covenant that's binding on us. All of it's inspired. Are, are you understanding the difference? I don't, want you to, I don't want you to say something I'm not saying. It's inspired, but it's not all equally binding. 
This is where we get in trouble with the health and wealth gospel. The health and wealth gospel always appeals to Old Testament scriptures that had to do with the nation of Israel. They were physical promises to a physical people that you will be wealthy, you will be healthy, and maybe wise. But when we take those and pull them into the new covenant era, it's inspired, but they don't apply because we're not living in physical Israel in a nation of Israel. And so the health and wealth gospel always appeals to Old Testament scriptures about things being full and things being overflowing and things being all right and your quiver being full and all. Those are Old Testament promises that were given to a specific people in a specific place, but they don't apply to us. Do you know how we know this? Because in the New Testament, people suffered. People were killed for their faith. Jesus went to the cross and died. And so in the New Testament, we don't have the guarantee of never getting sick. We don't have the guarantee of never being poor. We don't have the guarantee of never dying. All of those are not rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you know who's blessed in the health and wealth gospel? The guy doing the teaching. He's the one that flies in with his private jet. You give him his money, and he flies out with his private jet, and where are you? And so we don't rightly divide. Another way that we don't rightly divide is through liberalism. What happens today, and if you listen to people today, what they do is they elevate the teachings of Jesus over the rest of the New Testament. So it's not just that we're applying Old Testament things to us that doesn't apply, but they're elevating the words of Jesus or the red letters, if you have a Bible with red letters in it. So they, they relegate the teachings of Jesus to the higher than anybody else, even the Apostle Paul. This is called a Christological fallacy. The Christological fallacy is this, that Jesus' primary reason for coming was to provide us with an example and give us a teaching. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to give us an example and to give us teaching. Why did Jesus come? He gave his life as a ransom for us to free us from our sins. Now, in his living, did he give us an example? Absolutely. But that's not the reason he came. The reason he came was to offer his life as an atonement for our sins. And so what people do is they will split. We say, yes, I believe in all of the Bible, but I'm going to elevate the red letter parts. So how does this get us in trouble? Well, Jesus, in those red letter parts, never talked about uh, uh, homosexual marriage. He never talked about marriage a whole lot. He didn't talk about abortion. He didn't talk about all kinds of things, right? And so we hear that today, and we say, well, Jesus didn't mention it, therefore it's okay. Or Jesus didn't teach about it, therefore it's okay. That is elevating the red letters to the rest of the gospel. And so where Paul's teachings seem to contradict Jesus' teachings, we will split the Bible and we say, well, the red letters win every time. Listen, if your New Testament wants to put the words of Jesus in red letters, the entire New Testament needs to be in red letters. I have a black letter edition. All of God's words are in black letters. All of Jesus' teaching is in black letters. Because Jesus said what? When I leave, I'm going to guide you into all truth. Who did he guide into all truth? Paul, Peter, James, John. And so we have that inspiration. Jesus says uh, that all of God's word. He said, I haven't come to abolish. I've come to fulfill it. There are also cultural situations. And there are some situations where we say, well, that was just cultural. And so uh, we, don't have to, we don't have to listen to that today. And you know what happens when we say that? It's something that we don't agree with. 
When we come upon a teaching that we don't agree with, we just say, well, that was just cultural. I don't have to follow that. Augustine says this, to believe what you please and not believe what you please is to believe yourselves and not the gospel. If we believe the parts we like and reject the part we don't like, it's not the Bible we believe, but it's ourselves. And if we're not careful, we do that. We say, yes, I believe all of it, but then we divide it. We say, well, I don't really like this. I don't really like this part, and so I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to... In fact, I may teach opposite of what it says, but we have to take all of it. Now, what about understanding God's Word? Is God's Word... Uh, the, the category, we click, 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 click. The answer is, what is clear? What is clear when we understand God's word? The reformers, uh, 500 years ago, spoke with the clarity of Scripture. They, they uh, emphasized their response to the Catholic Church that taught that the Bible was too deep and too complicated to the average person to understand it, and only the trained clergy could understand and interpret it for you. And so the reformers said, well, no, 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 no. That idea is just a device to keep us in bondage. The average Joe can understand the Bible. Now listen. It may take work, but the Bible is not inherently closed to the minds of humans. Why do we know this? God created us in his what, image. Part of being made in the image of God is the, is the capacity for communication. How did God bring this world into existence? He spoke. And so in us is God, in his divine wisdom, said, I'm going to create people because I'm going to communicate with people at some point. And so I want to create them with the capacity to be able to understand. And so we see that in the, in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were placed there. What did God do? God spoke. And it wasn't like they just stood around like, Bleh. Now, Adam may have done that a couple times. Let's be honest. Right? He's like, I don't know. But God gave him the ability to understand. And God gives us his word to understand, and it is clear. It may take work, but it is clear. Now, there are pastors, there are churches that hold this over people, and here's what they say. The Bible's too deep for you to understand. Let me explain it to you. You don't want to read it for yourself because you might not get it. There's some really deep stuff in there. And if I don't explain to you the deep stuff, you're going to miss it. Here's one thing I found in all my years of ministry. If somebody says there's deep stuff in there, it's the deep stuff that I shoveled out growing up on the farm. That's the only deep stuff that they're peddling. It, yes, is it profound? Is it life-changing? Yes. But God went through the time, the trouble, and the effort over thousands of years working through human beings to write it down in languages that we can understand. And so we don't have to be captive to somebody to explain to us the deep truths. God already did that. And through thousands of years of people writing down his word. And so when somebody says to you, and I saw a guy uh, every once in a while, I'll be honest, I get up early Sunday mornings and just kind of get ready for the day. I don't know if I should say this or not. I flip through the religious channels on TV because I just need a good laugh. I am not, like, I, it's just like, what? You re-? And so one guy was on there. He said, I found a truth that I never saw or heard before. And guess what it had to do with? I bet you know what it had to do with. Yes, money. 
right? Never trust a guy who talks about money and gives you his address. It was this deep truth. And you know how you got the deep truth? You had to send $39.95 to get the deep truth of this thing that he never saw before. And no, interestingly, nobody in 2,000 years of Christianity saw it either except him. Now, the red lights should be going off. I just laughed, and I changed the channel back to the weather because it was more interesting. But that's the problem. The Bible is clear. And if somebody says there's this deep truth, the red light should go on and say, now, wait a minute. Now, are there things we don't understand? Absolutely. But we can do it with the hard work. The graduates who are graduating don't always understand chemistry on the first day. But what do you do? You stick with it. You learn the table of atoms and all what elements, whatever. You stick with So it doesn't mean we get it all just like that. Today, we're also challenged with postmodernism. It's a contemporary form of, of relativism. Here's what postmodernism says. Postmodernism says, you really can't know anything for sure. Human language is, is too weak of a vehicle to convey any ideas or any meanings. In fact, words don't mean what they say. It's dependent on the person saying it. So if I say it's raining outside, postmodernism would say, that's just because you're a middle-aged white guy looking at the rain. I don't believe it. But we're in that world today where it's the person who says it. It's based on their race, their gender, their sexual identity, who they are. And so words don't just mean what words mean. But in our postmodernism, it means one thing for you, and one thing for you, and one thing for you. Listen, every passage of Scripture has one intended meaning. Christendom is fractured because everybody has a different meaning. What is the meaning of the Lord's Supper? What is the meaning of baptism? What's the, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? Our postmodernism would say, well, it's whatever you want it to be. Now listen. I can say it's sunny, and you can say it's raining outside, and only one of us can be right. It could be snowing. We both could be wrong, but we can't all be right. But postmodernism says, well, it doesn't matter. It's more about your feelings. It's more about subjective interpretation. It's applied to the Bible. So what it means is we can't be sure of what God said because words are fragile and words are frail. And so is, is the Bible clear? Is it cloudy? In our world today, we say, oh, it's so very cloudy. Don't ever say there's anything such as truth, because truth means that it applies to everyone, and you're not supposed to say that today. You see, we're wasting our time if we try to find out the truth of God's word if there's no truth to be found. We are just, we are, we are just wasting our time if we say that, you know what, there's really no truth in God's word, so why are we even studying it? Why are we preaching from it? Why are we learning it? And it can't just be because it makes me feel good. There's lots of things that, that make you feel good. A good movie or a good novel, they'll make you feel good. But the Bible can be understood. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What does he say? You will what? Know the truth. You can know it. The whole point of Paul's message in 1 Corinthians 14 is this. He says, So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them, he says, is without meaning. 
Words matter. Words have meaning. That's how God chose to communicate with us. That's why at the Tower of Babel, the world was spread and we have all these different languages. You ever hear the commercial for Babel, the software that you can learn other languages? Where do you think that came from? And so Paul says they have meaning. He says, if then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me, so it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. What Paul says is this, God expects his word to be clear and to be understood. That's why Christians through centuries, have translated the Bible from Greek and Hebrew into English and French and Spanish and Polish and Russian and all the other languages. Because our faith does not dictate that only the Greek and the Hebrew is the holy translate or the holy language. God says, I want my word to be understood. And how do we do that? Through translations. You see, God has not failed to communicate with us, has he? I mean, has God failed to communicate with us? If he has, what we do with God's word is just an exercise in futility. Hebrews chapter 1 says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, listen, we've been in the last days since the writer of Hebrews. Don't get into this, oh, it's the last days. Well, like, yeah, of course it is. It's been the last days. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, it says it's the last days. In Hebrews, it says it's the last. Of course we're in the last days. In the, in, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through he made the universe. God has not failed to communicate with us. So here's the thing. When I hear the Bible, and I mean hear it maybe by reading it or listening to it as we get together. When I hear the Bible, I'm hearing God himself. I'm hearing God himself. We go through life, and we are, we are so subjective. Does God want me to go this way? Does God want me to go that way? I think God's telling me this. I think God's telling me that. Listen, God has given us his word through inspiration of his prophets and apostles, so that we would know what he's trying to tell us. Think about how many believers live their lives. They are just confused all the time. They have no idea what God wants them to do. The light turned red. That must mean something. Oh, the light turned green. That must mean something else. Oh, this happened. And we are trying to discern the tea leaves, and we're trying to do all that. And all the time, God just must be saying... I gave you my word. What are you doing? Do you think God is a God of confusion? No. Do you think God is a God who wants us to never know what he wants us to know? No. And believers think they're very spiritual by just wandering around in this cloud all of their lives, looking for these signs and looking for these things. And, all, and at the whole time, they're never really sure. That is not God. God wants you to know. God wants you to be sure. So if you're looking for something and you're not sure what it is, don't quit looking for it. Pick up his word, and he has told us. He told us all the ways to live that he wants us to know. Why? Through the power of inspiration. So when I, when I hear the Bible, I am hearing God himself. Romans 3, 2 says this. It's the very words of God. Look at Deuteronomy 29, 29 on your notes. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to who? To us and to our children, that we may follow all the words of this law. We 
want to know all the secret things. We spend our lives trying to figure out all the secret things of God. And God's like, that's not for you to know. The secret things should lead us to worship and to wonder and say, you know what, there's a lot about God I don't know, but I want to trust him, and I'm just going to leave it at that. We spend all of our lives trying to, learn, trying to learn these mysterious secret things of God, and God's like, I have given you what I want you to know. It's been revealed, and through inspiration, it's been recorded for you. Why don't you spend as much time working on what I already told you than on trying to figure out what I'm never going to tell you? I've given you my word. I'm speaking to you. I want you to know. God doesn't want us to be confused. God doesn't want us to live our lives just wondering all the time. He wants us to wonder, oh, Lord, you're awesome, but not to wander. So he gives us those things. If Satan can keep us sidetracked, listen, if Satan can keep us sidetracked, chasing rabbits down the rabbit hole, we will never know God as he is. Deuteronomy says that the things that God revealed to us, that we may follow. You know why God tells us something? Because he wants us to obey. He doesn't want to make us feel good. He doesn't want us to, you know, how, he, he wants us to obey. Go back to the very beginning of creation. God created man in his image to communicate with them. He communicated to Adam and Eve, you can eat from every tree in this garden, but don't eat from this tree. Genesis chapter 3, Satan comes and, as, as a serpent, and he comes. And do you remember the temptation? The very words that Satan used was he was speaking to Eve. What did he say? I want you to be like me. And Eve says, no, the Lord told us, right? Don't eat from the tree or don't touch it. And Satan's temptation was, did God actually say? It was an attack on the very word of God. And we have that same temptation today. Did God actually say? Did God actually say? And then we have all of these ways that Christians are living in ways that are contrary to God's word. Yes, God has said. And through inspiration, we can say, yes, God has said this. When I need to hear from God, I don't need to enter into some mystical trance. What do I need to do? I need to open his word. When I need some, uh, some lifting up from my lonely, uh, loneliness, my despair, my anxiety, or I'm afraid, what do I do? I open God's word. Will you open his word? It provides a firm foundation in our lives. It provides a sure place to stand. Ideas, cultures, nations, they all come and go. But the word of God stands forever. Listen, God has given us direction through inspiration, so that we can know what he wants us to know. I don't have to be confused. I don't have to live my life in wondering what in the world and who God is. God says, I told you. Will you pick it up and read it for yourself? Will you allow God to speak to you through his word? We have a fun time. I love getting together in Bible studies and small groups and Sundays, reading God's word, hearing from God's word. God wants to speak to hear first before this speaks to you. God wants to speak to you through his word, not to give you an idea for somebody else, not to give you an idea that you can put on Facebook, although that's not a bad idea. 
but he wants to speak to you and to hear his voice. Would you do that? Because through inspiration, we know that what we have in, in our Bibles is what God wanted us to have. Think about what God put in there. All the crazy stuff of human beings. I mean, there's war, there's abuse, there's lying, stealing, murder. There's everything. You say, well, why God put that in there? Because he inspired. Whoever wrote that down, it was in there for what? It was in there for us to hear from him how he wants us to see the world. Will you open his word and stand on the inspiration? When I want to know what God's word says about me, when I want to know what God says about the future, when I want to know what God says about the world, I don't turn on the TV. I don't go to my Twitter feed. I need to open his word. God hears who you say I am. Here is what you say you're going to do. Here is what you say you're not going to do. Here is how you want me to live and to love people and to love you and to obey and live my life. We don't have to wonder, but we can know through inspiration. Would you be in God's word? Let's pray. Father, um, we have, as humans, made it really confusing. (laughs) You, through your prophets and your apostles and through your work, have given us your word. And God, we have turned it into something that it was never intended to be. So God, would you, in our efforts, as we study your word, as we read your word, as we are in your word, really hear you speaking to us. That the, that the living word would just jump off the page and enter into our hearts and into our lives through obedience. God, the world would tell us we can't trust it. The world would tell us that there's lies. The world would tell us that it's old, it's out of date. Father, that the, that, that the Bible is all of those things. But God, we're going to just trust the words of Jesus. We're going to trust the word, your word, that says it's inspired by you and breathed out by you. And we're going to read it for what it is in faith and trust, knowing that you've given it to us. And so, Father, over these next few moments, would we just recommit to standing on your word in its fullness and standing on your word as truth, standing on the word as you speaking to us, all of it, clearly in our hearts. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.